God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving for all that you have done uh, in our lives. God, we pray that you would uh, speak to us uh, through your word. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, this morning we are starting a new sermon series, uh, uh, and we are going to be talking about money. Uh, for the past several years, uh, we have spent uh, about three to four weeks uh, looking at money and having an honest conversation about money. Um, when you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus talks about money more than anything else uh, in his parables, in his interaction uh, with those whom he met. So money is important. If Jesus talked about it, I feel like we as a church, we need to talk about money as well. And I want to uh, set forth a couple of ground rules uh, for us, uh, or hopes, if you will, as we uh, talk about money. Uh, and I'm going to repeat this each week. Uh, and you might be saying, I heard that before. Why is he saying that again? Just so you know, I'm going to be saying it again. All right. Uh, the first and for foremost is this, uh, that if you call Mount Hope UMC uh, your home, uh, if you feel connected to this church, uh, this is for you. If you are part of our worship community and you are uh, a friend of Mount Hope uh, and you haven't called it your home, uh, we just ask that you would listen and be part of this conversation as we look at scriptures and money. So, so that's the first one. Uh, the second one uh, is this. Oh, um, going back to the first one, um, for most of you have received this in the mail. It's a stewardship. It's a pledge card uh, that we have sent it uh, to you, and we have some in the back as well. On November 21st, we're going to have our Consecration Sunday, where we're going to be putting these cards uh, in the offering basket, and we're going to be spending some time in prayer uh, for the ministries and missions of this church as well. So that's coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, the second one is I don't want you to give out of a sense of guilt or obligation. I don't want you to think, oh, man, this pastor again talks about money, and oh, I'm going to throw in another $10 just so that he can be quiet and never talk again. All right? <laughs> don't give money out of a sense of guilt uh, or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to uh, wheel something out of you because uh, I believe uh, this is the final one. I'm going to repeat these three things again next week. The final one is this, that we all would be grounded in this truth. And I know you heard me say it before, that we give as a token of our gratitude for all the many blessings God has given us. That is what I would love for us to leave from this place as we end the series uh, in a couple of weeks, that we would be grounded in that knowledge. Um, so I was told a story by uh, an older pastor uh, he was retired when he shared this story with me. Um, and um, so he was telling me this story about a grumpy old man in church. Uh, this grumpy old man in, at this church, he was grumpy, he was old. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Grumpy old man. And the best part about this grumpy old man's life was he was a thorn on the side of the pastor. All right? Anytime the pastor asked for anything, this man would say, say it again. This man would say, no, all right? So they had this relationship, and everybody knew about this grumpy old man. You know, as this time went on and this relationship grew, the time had come. This gentleman was nearing death. He was dead, and the pastor goes to see him by his deathbed. And this 
older grumpy man, uh, was very extremely wealthy as well. And um, he takes a deep breath, takes up all the courage that he has, holds the pastor's hand, knowing fully well that his hours on this earth are very few. He holds the pastor's hands, and he looks at the pastor with every ounce of energy that he can give, and he says, Pastor, if I give all my money to the church, will I go to heaven? And the pastor quickly responds, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll be here next week as well. <laughs> Right? We've all said those prayers, right? We've all said those parking lot prayers. God, please, please, please get me a good parking spot. God, please let the light stay green. How many of you prayed those? I just stopped praying. I just keep going. <laughs> right? We've all prayed those prayers, right? We all prayed those prayers where we have prayed for trivial things. Like, you know, oh, God, please do this. And usually when we kind of find ourselves in those prayers where we are lifting up God's name, uh, and saying, God, please help me, there's usually a catch. If you do this, God, I will do this for you, right? Like there's this, this, this negotiation that goes on. And, you know, sometimes we've done it for trivial things. Uh, and yet there are sometimes we've done it for things that were heavy. Uh, we've said those prayers in times of distress uh, as well. And I don't want to negate those prayers uh, that were said in times of distress. Uh, but this morning I kind of wanted to focus on one verse. Uh, as almost, uh, that's the title of my sermon uh, as well. I kind of want to focus on these words from the psalm. It is Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What shall I return? Think about the magnitude of that question. Think about what shall I return. The psalmist here uh, is writing this poem, is writing this song, and in the midst of the song, he asks this question, what shall I return to God for all of God's goodness in my life? What shall I return to God? So in order to answer that, we kind of need to explore uh, what the poem's about, what the psalm is about, and it starts out in verse 1. This is what uh, we read, and the rhythm that this particular psalm, according to Carl Jacobson, who's a biblical scholar, he notes that this has an X-Y rhythm to it. X has happened because X has happened. There is a certain rhythm of Y that is happening. So it's an X and a Y. This has taken place. And as a, as a result of this, this is taking place. And you can kind of hear that rhythm um, in these uh, first couple of verses here. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. Here, the psalmist is declaring his love for God. He's saying that God has shown him mercy to him. He's reflecting on a particular time in his life. When he was down and out, when he was begging for mercy and God turned towards him. We don't know the specific request that was made to it, but in verse 3, we can kind of see the magnitude of his plea. In verse 3, we see, we read that uh, the psalmist was, the cords of death tangled him. The anguish of grave came really close to him and almost over 
overtook him, and that led him to distress and sorrow. This psalm um, is a poem, and we don't know all the details as to what this would look like. We don't know if this psalmist who's writing this psalm, if he's using death, the cords of death being entangled as a, as a metaphor of he really was near death. We don't know that. But one thing we do know that is clear is the pain is real. The agony and the heartache is real. I don't know what happened, but I hope some of us can identify with this psalmist. When he writes, I was overcome by distress and sorrows. Friends, this morning I want to invite you to pause and reflect on a time when these words rang true in your own life. When you prayed those desperate prayers and you said, God, please, I need your help. A time when your heart ached and all you wanted was God to show up. You prayed that prayer. And as you were praying, your prayers quickly turned into tears. I want you to think about that moment. I want you to think about that season of anguish. I want you to think about that. I want you to hold that in your hands. I was overcome by distress and sorrow and ting death. The cords of death entangled me. I want you to think about that moment. As you're holding that, here's what verse 4 tells us. Then I called on the name of the Lord, save me. Then I called on the name of the Lord, save me. Kristen and I were talking the other day about a difficult season in our life. Uh, that we had experienced. And trust me, there was sorrow and there was tears and prayers quickly turned into tears for us. Our prayers were, Lord, please make this stop. Lord, please help us to go through the season on the other side. That was us going through that season when we walked through that valley. And we quite didn't know if we were going to make it on the other side. I want you to remember those days. I want you to remember those days when you called on the Lord. And before I talk about what the psalmist experiences, I want to say something uh, to those who might be in that season right now. Where the cords of death might be entangling you, where distress and sorrow is something that you're experiencing right now. If that is you, my friend, please reach out to one of the pastors. Please reach out to us so that we can sit with you in the season of grief, in the season of distress, in the season of anguish, so that we can be with you, so that we can cry with you, and we can pray with you saying, God, save me. God, save me. And this is how the psalmist progresses uh, in what we were talking about. In verse 5, he notes these. When he said, God, save me, this is what he experienced. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwavering. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. 
The goodness of God is declared in this moment, friends. When this psalmist lifted his hand up and said, Lord, save me. Immediately he realized God's goodness in his life. He realized that he worships a good God, a God who is full of compassion, a God who protects, and God who finally says, I love you. I love the verse 7. I love these words. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Psalmist is saying that God delivered him from pain and hurt. God somehow showed up and delivered him from pain and hurt. One biblical author uh, notes this. He says that uh, I think it's a human instinct um, that anytime we are in need, we cry out to God. That's just instinctively with something that we do. No matter who you are, whether you believe in a God or not, when you are going through a difficult time, you cry out to God. That is just human nature. I've met a lot of atheists. The minute they are find themselves in, in the valley, the first thing they do is pray to God. That, that is human nature. But this particular biblical author said, like, I want us to not have that human nature of crying out to God in our distress, but we need to do something else as well. He said that we as Christian people, we need to talk about God's deliverance. When God did bring us out from distress and anguish, when God did deliver us, we need to declare God's goodness in our life. Because it's very easy for us to pray all the prayers when we are going through a really difficult time. But sometimes we forget to thank God for all the ways God has blessed us. At least for me, I feel like I pray, I pray, and God shows up and I move on with my life. But we are called to share God's goodness how God delivered us, how God protected us. We need to remember and declare that God is good to us when we say, return to your rest, my soul. The Lord has been good to you. We need to declare God's praises, friends. I hope if you have experienced God's deliverance in your life, I hope that you can share it with your friend, your neighbor, your pastors, whoever would listen to you saying, let me tell you something, pastor. Let me tell you how God showed up. How God showed up. And finally, he comes to this point, what shall I return for all of God's goodness? Where we started out from. What shall we return for all of God's goodness in our life? Verses 13 and 14 the psalmist um, notes this. These are the things the psalmist is doing, and these are the things I think the psalmist is telling us to do. If you are wrestling with that question of what shall I return for all his goodness to me, there are three things that the psalmist talks about. Let me read verses 13 and 14. I will lift up the cup of salvation 
and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Here the psalmist is saying that he lifts up the cup of salvation, calls on the name of the Lord, and fulfills the promise he has made to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Lifts up the cup of salvation. In the Old Testament concept, uh, context, if you will, the cup of salvation was lifted up at the altar to celebrate God's goodness. People came together to worship and the cup of salvation was lifted up to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate God's deliverance. This was done in the context of worship. And friends, this morning we gather together to lift up the cup of salvation that is given to us through Jesus Christ. We as United Methodists believe that when we lift the cup of salvation, it is a mystery. God's grace is given, is imparted to each one of us. And we lift up the cup of salvation today, declaring God's goodness in our life, declaring how God delivered each one of us. The second that he, the psalmist notes is he calls on the name of the Lord. We call on the name of the Lord. This is another thing that is important for us to do. As the psalmist says, we call on the name of the Lord in the context of community. When we come together and when we pray together, when we lift up God's praises, when we clap our hands and sing God's praises, we are calling on the name of the Lord. It is important for us to worship together. The psalmist is saying that we call on the name of the Lord in the presence of all God's people. Church, what we do this day, this hour, is important. It is a great way for us to say, what shall I return? It's a great way for us to return by worshiping our God. And finally, the psalmist imploring, is imploring us to do this. Verse 14, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Here's the psalmist is saying that he is going to keep all the promises that he has made to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the context of worship, he's going to keep his promises. This morning, I want to remind you that this words uh, that the psalmist is talking about, it's not about those negotiations that I was talking about earlier. That we say to God, God, I will do this if you do this. It's not about that. Every time we read uh, in the Bible about what it means uh, for us to keep our promise, to keep our vow in the context of worship, it has always been about giving to God our resources. It was at the altar that the people of the Old Testament gave themselves. And so this morning, friends, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to consider filling out this pledge card as a promise of all that God has done for you. This is not, we're not filling out these pledge cards so that we can get something in return. But rather we are filling this out as a response to all the blessings that God has given us. For all the many blessings that God has given us. This pledge card is purely symbolic act of worship. I pray that you would hold this card when you get home and ask the question, what shall I return to the Lord?
for all the blessings that God has poured on us. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day, and we ask that you would be glorified. God, that you would receive our gift. As a token of our gratitude for all that we have done, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.